All right, here we are again. It's podcast in a car. I'm driving home, and uh, today's buprenorphine, and uh, a great idea for a podcast was presented to me uh, by a very smart provider of healthcare. Why is it so that uh, a physician or healthcare provider that is appropriately credentialed? can only prescribe a limited amount of buprenorphine, you know, the Suboxones in the world, the uh, Subutex in the world, no, we don't like Subutex, um, Bunavale, etc., Subsolve. Why is it they can only prescribe a few of those and it's kind of unlimited on the uh, other end where we can just prescribe as much, uh, say, oxycodone, morphine uh, that we want, and uh, it's not without risk, but there's no limitations. And why is it that way? Let's go back to the year 2000. Yeah, long way back. Data. That's the uh, Data Act, um, uh, Drug Addiction Treatment Act of 2000. That's called Data. They introduced this idea that we could use buprenorphine to treat uh, drug addiction and drug addiction only, not pain, drug addiction only. So, what does that mean? Buprenorphine is a new, new kid on the block. There was then, and there still is now, quite a bit of consternation in healthcare providers uh, regarding medically assisted treatment. It's called MAT-MAT. And buprenorphine is sometimes felt to be, you know, it's, it's one drug treating a problem with another drug. And my uh, loved one or my special person um, a, and maybe even my acquaintance is just covering up problems and they're not getting to the bottom line. And what's the plan? How long are they going to be on? this buprenorphine, this Suboxone, the Subzol, Bunavale, whatever it is. Uh, those are brand names. Uh, well, that, <clears throat> that depends on the individual, just like everything else in life. You know, if you're uh, diabetic and you are overweight and hi- hypertensive and you're taking meds but you just had a 100-pound weight loss, you may just get off some of those drugs or have them significantly modified. And think of uh, drug treatment pretty much the same way. Drug treatment is a journey, and although I hate that word journey, it's true, and there's not a lot of better descriptors. The fact of the matter is we have a potentially life-threatening problem, not unlike hypertension, not unlike diabetes, uh, that has altered people's lives um, is full of relapse, is full of controversy, and we have a treatment, and that's data. So the Data Act came out, and they said, well, originally you can you can treat 30 people. And 30 people? Are you kidding me? I'll be full in a week, and that's what happened. And, you know, fast forward a few more years, 96, they opened it up to 100, and eventually, a few years ago, it went to 275. But I can only prescribe to 275 patients, and 
you know, being an experienced uh, prescriber with, uh, I think, pretty good judgment on who should get what and how much, that's that to me is, is a question mark that is like the elephant in the room. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell the 276th person. What do you tell them? I, I can't prescribe to you until somebody falls off the list. And, you, oh, yeah, we got to keep a list because the DEA is charged with making sure that we're inspected and, you know, the people that prescribe oxycodone by the handful, uh, they're not inspected. Maybe they're regulated a little. I don't know. Uh, it just depends on the, uh, the potential for outlier status. Yeah, if you go to ProPublica, which is a website, and you look at oxycodone, you look at it by state, you can see who the big prescribers are. But there's always a story behind a story. Sometimes those big prescribers are big prescribers because they got big problems, like cancer, for example, or neuralgias, like trigeminal neuralgia. People kill themselves because of the pain with trigeminal neuralgia. And it's a um, opioid-resistant problem. But if you, if you don't have much else, what are you going to do? So, I mean, pain pain control strategies are constantly evolving. And so is addiction. Addiction is constantly evolving. It used to be methadone. There was a uh, uh, a couple oh, some time ago, it was in the 50s or early 60s, that introduced methadone for medically assisted treatment uh, in the Northeast. And they went through the devil's doors trying to get that thing not only approved by the community by law enforcement uh, by patients but they did the right things Um, they helped with forward thinking that look if we're going to keep the stigma away from uh, these uh, opioid prescriptions for medically assisted treatment we're going to have to make sure that there's a high level of sensitivity to um, privacy. So it was the first kind of super HIPAA. Um, and it's true. Uh, the We have a lot of protections in place for patients so that they don't have to disclose they're in medically assisted treatment. Okay, check that box. It's not, um, it's not a weird uh, thing or the Provider's not a weird provider for helping people try to stay alive. And that's real. That's real. And, you know, enter buprenorphine a few years after methadone, uh, quite a few actually. And here we have a new drug, uh, newer. It's been around a while, but newer for this uh, indication that is kind of unique. And buprenorphine, Suboxone and those other drugs... Uh, it's unique in its capacity for treatment because it is a, it's a safer option. Nothing is completely safe. Starbucks coffee is not completely safe, by the way. But it, it, it gets uh, away from the high maintenance of methadone where you had to go every day, you had to pay whatever every day. You had to be supervised on your ingestion. You sometimes, over time, got a weekend 
dose to go home with or they trusted you a little bit more. Um, there's only certain places and you go rushing in there before work and there's usually a line. Um, and let me tell you, it's, it's something to see. Uh, it's a uh, sociology and anthropology experiment uh, for uh, providers uh, of healthcare to go watch a methadone clinic. Some of them are run fantastically. Others are pretty high risk, and they have to have security and the like. Oh, wait, buprenorphine? It's different. Methadone is a pure mu opioid agonist, and what that means is... In the opioid world, the more you take, the more you get. Buprenorphine is pretty much along the lines, the more you take, it kind of flattens out after a while. Okay, And it uh, is very tightly bonded. Buprenorphine is very tightly bonded to what we call a receptor. And so it, it's hard to dislodge, but it's great if... People are going to try to cheat uh, that receptor for the opioid effect, called a mu opioid receptor, is um, maybe not as available. And that uh, buprenorphine molecule is stuck in there pretty good. It's nailed to the receptor pretty well. So it's a, it, it's a new thought pattern when you uh, treat folks with uh, buprenorphine. The beauty of buprenorphine is a Schedule 3 drug. Now remember, Schedule 2, you, you have to have uh, a visit. It's uh, um, technically not so, but usually it's a month-to-month or less than a month uh, prescription. You can't call it in, blah, blah. Uh, Schedule 3 is not less potent. Schedule 2 and Schedule 3 are not necessarily different in potencies, or that means strength. Um, it's just it's just got more flexibility. We can call in buprenorphine, and that's great because sometimes we, we've got to rescue people that uh, run out of their buprenorphine or uh, for whatever reason they don't have it, but they're starting to go to withdrawal. Also, th- this drug is... Uh, is easier to dispense. Um, it's easier to administer in most cases. There's a couple exceptions to that. Yeah, you don't want to induce withdrawal as a topic for another day. But um, <clears throat> buprenorphine is a beautiful option to methadone, and methadone isn't limited to 275. So they're beating up on buprenorphine, and as I uh, went through my searches, um, I don't know why. I, I just think it's uh, early prejudicial activity in the pharmacological world of uh, drug yes, drug no, and it's evolving. So hopefully someday it'll be almost unlimited. To this end, okay, this is important. Um, rural areas are going to have more access to medically assisted treatment, i.e. buprenorphine, because nurse practitioners and PAs can prescribe that, and they are the fastest and largest growing uh, group of people that get the training for buprenorphine. you got to have that. It's not much, but you got to have it. Take the test and get this thing called an X waiver to their DEA certificate, 
um, you get this called an X waiver, you you have some more flexibility in treating people, and in particular with buprenorphine. All right, well, I, I hope that made a little bit of sense. It's uh, going to change again in the next couple of years. Uh, I hope we can get more access to care. Um, I'm glad to see the rural areas are opening up with our uh, physician extenders and uh, other providers. We appreciate that. Go off and get the training. Um, you're saving lives. You're saving lives. And um, the uh, I, I guess that we'll keep you know beating the beating the sand and saying uh, we need as much access to care as we can get. And please um, keep increasing our numbers on the X waiver. Okay, so once again, uh, paininformation.com. Go ahead and uh, send me a uh, little hello or, hey, why don't you do this or listen to your podcast. It's not long enough. It's too long. Um, uh, you sound funny or whatever. Uh, and um, and give me some ideas of what you want. Uh, if you are interested in the idea I have with this uh, coaching um, or you know, discussions and controversies in uh, pain medicine, let me know. We're, we'll get on a Zoom. Uh, a Zoom is like a conference for multiple folks. And we'll answer questions. I think that would be kind of fun. Also, the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians has its annual meeting coming up. For you folks out there that are interested in attending in the healthcare profession, it's a great meeting for pain, and they, we've got a little bit of addiction in there. We've got some nutrition. Who says doctors don't care about it? nutrition? We do care about nutrition. It's got other, other kind of really fun things like regenerative medicine, what's up, what's new, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great meeting. It's in April. Go to ASIPP.org. All right, I've uh, shamelessly plugged ASIPP. And I'll talk to you soon.